So let me tell you about the, probably the dumbest thing I have ever done in my life. And this happened nine years ago, or at least the stupidest thing. Nine years ago, I'm up in the mountains in Utah with some of my friends at a state park. And we're in this horseshoe canyon with nine or seven different mountaintops around us. But we're down in the canyon. And one of my friends dares me. He says, Andy, I bet you can't get up to the top of that mountain in 60 minutes. And I say, well, I can do it in 30, but I'll take your 60. I'm not a dumb, that I'm not a dumb about. I'll, I'll take 60. And so I go run to the base of this mountain, and I go climbing. And the mountains out in Utah, a lot of the Rockies, are not these craggy alpine mountains that you may have seen in pictures. It's more like God has a large bag of pebbles, and he just pours them out and makes a pile of them. And all of the rocks that form these mountains, this mountain in particular, are the size of basketballs down to maybe oranges. So that's about how big they are. There's no path, and I'm just kind of free climbing, kind of. Where it gets steep enough, the whole thing is steep enough where I can't turn around and sit down, so I have to rest just face down. And I'm in magnificent shape at this point in my life. But it took 45 minutes. It was a 900-foot climb. And we, I started at 11,500 and finished at 12,400. And so by the time I made it to the top, I was the tallest thing in the area. And I could, I could breathe, but every couple of steps I had to catch my breath, like stop, breathe. It was pretty thin air up there. But while I was climbing, the first half was A-OK. -okay. Then the, second, the third quarter and the fourth quarter, the rocks became smaller and there was less gravity holding them down. So there were a couple of times, just like in the movies or a video game, where all four points of connection, my two hands and two feet, started to shake, and I had to hop to the left, and then all the rocks that I were holding on to, they all careened down from the mountain. So if I had held on to that and not moved, I would have gone with it. And they became steeper as I went on, and it seemed like it would never end. And then when I was at the last quarter of the ascent, I realized that the ominous clouds on the left were not just dark clouds, but they were rain and lightning clouds. And so about a tenth of a mile, there was lightning striking the mountaintop over there. And it was raining on me at that point. So now the rocks are smaller and slippery. But when I made it to the top, like I said, I'm the tallest thing around. So I, was, I knew that I needed to get off the mountaintop, mountaintop quickly. And it only took me about two hours to go down a different path. But I made it. I made it to the top. And it was a glorious sight to see all the area around me, to see my friends smaller than ants, to see where I had started in the base camp, to see miles and miles around, to get a view of what life looked like in all directions and from a perspective that others could not see and probably would never see. This I give you as an analogy to the Christian life, to what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. When he says, take your yoke, take my yoke upon you, for it is easy and my burden light, we need to know what he's talking about. He's talking about, we usually, he's talking about a yoke, and we often think of that as going on oxen. But back 2,000 years ago, it did go on oxen, but there were also yokes for humans. And so it's a curved beam that would go over the shoulders and have some chains or some ropes to carry buckets or to haul a field impl implement a tool for farming. It was backbreaking labor. So when Jesus says, take my yoke, it's still a yoke. Maybe it just has some padding underneath it. Maybe the rocks that you're carrying, instead of 50 pounds each, are 25 pounds each. It's a lighter burden, but it's still a burden. 
When I was climbing that mountain, I had the benefit of having modern boots and shoes, which were nice and comfy. I had the benefit of having a camel back, so I didn't even have to stop to drink my water. But it still made the ascent, the journey, very difficult. But it was a little bit easier. And when Jesus says, take my yoke, this is what he's giving us as well. It's still a long and hard journey to make it to God, to follow his commandments, to be a loving example as Jesus is a loving example. But he's with us if we call on him, if we ask for him to be a part of our life, and if we ask for his church to be a part of our life as well. And what's the benefit for all of us? Well, the benefit is what we hear in Paul's letter to the Romans, our second reading, and that is that if you live according to the flesh, you will die. If you live according to your old ways, before you were baptized, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body by your actions and your thoughts, and you will live. And the Greek that Paul uses is translated, is translated accurately, but it's kind of poorly as well. When you die, he says, if you live according to the flesh, then it's not just a one-time die, because we all die. We're all, we will all probably make it to the grave before Jesus comes a second time. The die that he's talking about in the Greek is forever, once and forever. He's talking about the second death. The second after the resurrection, you will choose not to be, or after, yeah. When it is your time to choose, someone who lives according to the flesh will not recognize Jesus and will choose to live away from him, apart from him, live for themselves. But if you live by the Spirit, you will live, and that is an eternal live. It is a constant live. It is a forever live that Paul writes. And so if we live as a disciple of Christ and stay close to him, this is the benefit that we get to make the hard journey, to make the hard ascent. It's to live forever in the glory of God, in the presence of the glory of God, in the love of God, in unity with the Trinity. The world today, finally, will tell us that it's stupid to be a Christian. Why not be with as many partners as you want? Why would you risk having your reputation ruined? Why would you risk having your business closed? Why would you risk the insults and the threats of the mob in the culture today and in the actual events of the world today in our country? Why would you stand up for someone or something that we don't understand, that the rest of the world doesn't understand is what I mean? Why would you do that? That's just stupid. Just do what we do. Just be immoral. Just be like the rest of us. What is the benefit? Why would you do that? Why would you give up your life? And like I said, and like Jesus says, it's not an easy journey, but you will live. And that's not a, that's not a I hope I'll live, I wish I'll live. It's a you will live. If you stay true to the end, if you stay true to the faith. And I ask everyone who's an adult today to share with any children or younger people with you or even with each other, with your spouse or with someone, a friend or whatever, if you have ever had a mystical experience. And I miss what I mean by that, by a mystical experience, those are things where you just Un, without a doubt, undoubtedly know of the presence of God. Maybe you've received communion 
and a few times you realize, oh, this is Jesus. There's no doubt in my mind at all. I can feel him. I know this is him. Maybe there's been a homily, probably not this one, that you have heard and you say, that is God talking to me. That is definitely a mystical experience. It can be where you're living out your normal life and you get a movement of the spirit and you know it is and you follow through with it even though it might be awkward or embarrassing or you're uncertain about it and it works out. Whether it's talking to somebody or making a change in your life, big or small, those are all mystical experiences. And in the 21st century, that is what we are all called to ask for because to be a disciple of Christ is not easy and we need all the help we can get and we need to ask the spirit for his guidance in that way. And how do we help each other to carry this yoke, even if it is light, is to bolster one another up. While we are strong, help those who are weak. While we are strong in the faith, help those who are unsure. And the way we do that is to talk about our life, to talk about our story. So that when the time comes, when persecution comes, there is no doubt that we have friends. There is no doubt that the church loves us. There is no doubt, remembering that you're all the church, there is no doubt that God loves us.